Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Thank you so much, uh, Man United, the Red Devils. Do not belong in church, but anyway... It's good to be together. If you're joining us for the first time, my name is Gabe Phillips. It's a huge privilege to be here. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Changes. I'm the resident redhead. I get the privilege of preaching on Christmas. And uh, um, if, you, if you don't know me, I'm married to an amazing lady called Fiona. And uh, she was the, the, the pretty girl on the screen. Yep, I married up, which is an incredible, incredible privilege. But it's a wonderful privilege to have you all here this evening. Give me a wave in the dark. Welcome to Christmas Eve, everyone. Wonderful. Why don't you turn to someone next to you and say, Merry Christmas, very quickly. Come on, why not? Why not? Very, very cool. I don't know about you, uh, how you would classify your 2017 or what, was, what would be the highlight for you. But for me, 2017 will always be the year that I became a dad. Nine months ago, uh, my wife and I gave birth to a, a, a beautiful little girl. Yeah, it was a team, a team effort. Come on, guys. This is, this is 2017. It's a co-labor. Um, Come on. But we gave birth together. It was emotional for me. But uh, to a beautiful redhead girl, nine months, she's turned our world upside down. And despite the nappies, despite the sleepless nights, it's been a, a year that I'll never, ever forget. But um, becoming a dad comes with a whole bunch of other things that I wasn't aware of up front. No one gave me the form. No one told me this up front. But uh, do you know that a few things happen to you overnight when you become a dad? I didn't know this. I didn't, really didn't know this at first. But firstly, this year... I, as I've become a dad, I've found out that I, I, I can't make it through a movie without falling asleep any longer. Just like it's a thing. I, pr- I lie on the couch, the movie goes on, no matter what adventure is happening, no matter how exciting it is, I'll fall asleep on the couch and I'll wake up in, in, in fits and spirits asking my wife, what happened? What I miss? Who's that character? And she hates it. It's the one thing that she's praying for this Christmas, will I be able to stay up for a whole movie? Secondly, I've just become like my dad, Rowan Phillips. I go to bed. I get my book out, I read one page, and I fall asleep. It's just happened. It's like overnight. I'm like, what happened? Now, I, I still don't know what happens in the second half of Lord of the Rings. It's like amazing. Same page again and again. But the third thing that has is, is, is really happened to me as I've become a dad is I've ended up telling my wife the same stories again and again and again. She'll tell me, you've told me this one before. Like an old dad joke, I just tell the same stories. I say, have you heard this one about... Yep, she says, but I, I reckon that a good story is like a good t-shirt. You only need seven to make it through a week. But, uh, but she is wanting a little bit more effort from me, but I've become a dad, and I've got stuck in this rhythm, and it's got stuck on the same page, stuck on the same movie. I feel like I, I've just become my dad this year. But I want to tell you that I think this is not just a dad problem. I think this is a human nature problem, if you, if you give me the opportunity this evening to convince you of this fact, that we're people who get stuck. It's only evidenced by the empty parking lot at Virgin Active today and the full parking lot they'll be there this time next week on the 1st. It's human nature. Every year we binge at Christmas and every year on the 1st of January, somebody will declare this year will be the year of the athlete. No names, follow my eyes. We get stuck in a rut and nothing ever changes, Mark, but next year. But we get stuck in a rut, and I I don't know about you, it's not just in trivial things, but we are people who, a human nature, we get stuck in a rut, we get stuck in our habits, we get stuck in the same painful memories. 
we get stuck in the same conversations, stuck with the same frustrations, stuck with the same family fights every year over the same things at Christmas. We get stuck having the same conversations. We get stuck on the same page. It feels like we can never move on. I don't know if I'm the only one that the same things seem to happen to me. But it's not just the, I believe, a 21st century or millennial problem. This is something that harkens back right to the Bible, the good book, as they say. That this is the same story that we find in the pages of the Bible of a people who are no different to us. There are people who God was continually calling forward, continually calling out, saying there's a future, a big plan for you. But the people kept on retreating, page after page of the Bible. They kept retreating to the same old, the same old, the same old. They never could move on, so much so that actually the Bible is broken up into two parts. I don't know if you know this. The first part is called the Old Testament. The second part is the New Testament. And right in the middle is just this one page, right here. This one page in my Bible says the New Testament. And other Bibles is blank, just like this one page here. One page. Separates the old and new. From the end of Malachi, don't worry about that. Thanks, my man. Good teamwork. Ready to pounce. But here's the understanding that that one page separates the Old Testament and the New. The one page that separates the end of Malachi to the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That one page represents 400 years. 400 years and this is what they call, in the, the scholars will call the intertestimonial period, the, the silent years. These are the years that God apparently seems silent. There was no recorded revelation of Scripture. There was no new word from heaven. 400 years of a people who got stuck. And this, this group of people, they could not move beyond that page. That one page was there. They got stuck in their guilt and shame of Babylon. They got stuck in the shame of where they have been as a nation. The religious elite would not let them forget where they have come from. Keep reminding them that this is, you are sinners and this is where you come from. And we'll never ever go back there. Lest we forget, we must remind ourselves. They got stuck on this side of the page. A people loaded up with guilt could not move on. They replayed that dead religion, that humiliation again and again. God was calling them forward, but they could not hear him. Because I ask you, was God silent or did people stop listening? This evening, I want to ask us, I want to give us the opportunity for you and I to turn the page. I believe tonight there's a whole bunch of people, myself included, who've got stuck in a whole bunch of things. But there's an invitation this Christmas for you and I to actually turn the page and move on to where God is calling us to be. Are you okay with that? This is Christmas Eve. We're the lively people. So why don't you talk one more time in a Pentecostal way. Say, tonight I'm turning the page. Tell your labor on your left or right. One, two, three, do it. Wow, so good to preach here. Wow. So this evening, well done. If you don't like the person you're sitting next to, come earlier next time. But anyway, there's three groups of people on this side of the page when after 400 years of silence, God breaks the silence in dramatic ways. And there's three groupings of people that he speaks to. The first group of people, I want to walk us through this very quickly in the Christmas narrative, is a couple called Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zach and Liz for short. And this amazing couple are a a godly, God-fearing couple who have the respect of the community. They're a religious couple. They, they have been faithful for many years. We know this about them through the first, book, first chapter of Luke. And we also know this other fact. They are old, very old. Now, the, the amazing thing about this couple, they've got a, a great spiritual pedigree in their, in their DNA. Elizabeth came from an incredible line of spiritual warriors and the, of people involved with the priesthood. Same to Zechariah. So this couple in a spiritual community were standing head and shoulders above many others. And people took their cue of this couple. And, and people, I can imagine, when they first got married, people looked at him and said, oh, just wait till they have a kid. Zachariah's line, Elizabeth's line together, that kid's going to be incredible. 
he's going to be a powerful man or powerful woman. And they looked excitedly for this couple. But year one went by of marriage, no baby. Year two, year three, year four, no child was in evidence. And this couple, they weren't to be dissuaded because they were faith-filled. And I can imagine at prayer meetings, they'll get up and they'll say, next year, we believe we're going to have a child. And the whole community went, amen. And Zechariah said, turn to your neighbor and said, we will have a child. I don't know if he did that, but anyway. But, you know, just he was faithful. And the next year, there was no child. He would get up again. Next year, we'll have a child. And the amen was a little bit loud, quieter this, this time. And after year after year, it just got a bit more and more awkward. So they stopped probably saying it out loud and probably just writing the prayer request on the card. Probably just, just mumbling it to themselves. And, and, the, and the hope started to ebb away that actually maybe we're never going to have a kid. And people got awkward. It was that awkward conversation. Do we bring it up? Because in that community, a child represented the family's future. It represented the marriage success. It represented uh, God's pleasure and blessing on a family. So they were going, why is there no child here? But looking at their lives, the question that could have been dropping off people's lips are going, why are bad things happening to good people? Why them? And this couple, Zach and Liz, saw other couples who probably weren't playing the religious game as well as them, falling pregnant, left, right, and center. And their years became years, became years, and now they're old, almost too far gone. And Scripture says, as custom, Zechariah went to the temple. Just stuck. Stuck in disappointment. Scripture tells us in the book of Proverbs, says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I can imagine this man and this woman, their, their hearts are starting to just go, actually, we love God, but maybe that's just not us for us. No baby. Maybe just count our blessings and move on. And I, I want to ask you this evening. Maybe you're sitting here today after a year of potential disappointment. 2017 has been a disappointing year for you, maybe. Maybe you, like them, have longed for a child, have prayed those prayers. God, this year, in faith, I want a baby. You get to the end of the year, there's no baby. Maybe you've said, God, this year I want that relationship to be restored. Still, there's no restoration. God, you prayed, please, God, would you heal that person? And no, no healing has come. Maybe you prayed the prayers, God, just I want that friend just to say sorry, and then they will be able to be restored. No sorry has come. Maybe you prayed for a spouse. Maybe you prayed for a promotion. I don't know what you prayed for, but maybe you've got through the year and there's an echo of disappointment. I want to tell you what heaven breaks into Zach and Liz's life. After 400 years of silence and many years for them of praying the same prayers and seeing nothing, just disappointment, heaven opens up and the angel of the Lord appears to them. And he says, fear not, for God has heard your prayers. 400 years of silence, and the first word from heaven is God is not silent on you any longer. He has not turned his ear away from you. He is, he is attentive to your prayers. God has heard your prayers. I want to invite you this evening. Maybe you're sitting here tonight with disappointment deep in your heart. The scripture prophecy is hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I believe tonight there's an invitation for you and I, if we're sitting in disappointment, to make a decision. God, we're not going to stay on this side of the page. I'm going to turn the page in faith knowing that you have good things for me. Will you turn the page this evening? The second couple I want to introduce you to this evening are a couple called Mary and Joe. Joseph, to the more purest amongst you. Let me tell you about this incredible couple. They were young and naive, the antithesis of Zach and Liz. They were the total opposite. They were young, dumb and in love, as the song goes. And they were engaged to be married. But this couple, as this Zach and Liz were the couple who, who God, you can imagine, actually, maybe God will do something with this couple. This couple, God's like, nah, not them. Why do I say that? Because they were unqualified or disqualified from the, the, the so-called work of God in the, in the people's eyes because Joseph, for every sense of the word, was an average Joe. 
He was a guy who, by, we get told that he was a tradesman. He was a carpenter. He had rough hands. He used to work with his hands. And, and, that, and that's not a, a job to be sniffed at. But in that community, every young boy started out with the dream that was schooled in the way to become a rabbi or a priest. And if you did not make the grade to become a rabbi or a priest, if you're not the smart guy, if you're not the one on the, the track record to become the, the head of the community in a spiritual sense, they would say to you, just go and do what your dad does. So Joseph, when we find him as a carpenter, he's a guy who's not a bad guy, but a guy who hasn't made the grade. He's one of those guys, just the average guy, just passed him by. His, his soon-to-be wife, Mary, as well, she's a young woman in that community. Women were sidelined from spiritual activities. They were not allowed in the temple. They're not allowed to handle the Torah. They were set aside. Women are secondary in terms of spiritual matters. What makes things worse for this two couple, this, this, these two individuals as a couple, they're from an area called Nazareth. Now, for you and I, that might not mean much, but Nazareth was a backwater hillbilly country, town. It was a town that people used as the punchline of a joke, the Englishman, Irishman, and uh, Nazarene. It's like, for, for us here, it's the Pofada. If you are from Pofada, thank you for coming. So good to have you here. But Nazareth was the punchline of the joke, so much so, later on in Scripture, somebody looks at Jesus and says, no good thing comes from Nazareth. And that was a colloquial saying of the day that actually people wrote out all the Nazarenes because that other side of the train tracks, nothing good comes from there. There's this couple in every sense of the word were disqualified from heaven invading their story. And maybe you're echoing those same words this year. You've been saying words like, actually, my story, what, what's, there's nothing unusual about me. I'm pretty average. Maybe in your family life, you, you say, I've given and I've given, but I'm just not enough. My family always want more, but actually, I look at Instagram feeds, and the, the other moms and other dads and other families seem to be having a much better life than I am, and I'm feeling like I'm not enough. Maybe you're feeling disqualified in that way. Maybe you're saying, actually, this year was a rough year. I got divorced. I got let down. I got relationships were broken. I've been, I've been disqualified in this way. Maybe you lost your job, and you're just feeling just actually things have not really turned out well, and, and, and feel like people have sidestepped you a little bit, or maybe God has sidestepped you even. I want to tell you this evening that the first word of heaven to this couple, the angel, after 400 years, breaks into their story, and, and the angel declares this and says, Mary, fear not. Joseph, fear not, for you have found favor with God. This couple from the wrong side of the tracks, this couple who are disqualified in every sense of the word, God declares, I am for you. This is the truth of the gospel. The enemy will always point to your failure. Jesus will always point to your future. The enemy will always remind you where you've been, where you come from, what your pedigree was, where you've fallen short. Jesus will keep on reminding, I am for you. And if I'm for you, who can be against you? This is the truth of Christmas that comes in. I want to invite you and I this evening. Would you with me this evening take with faith? Say, I'm going to turn the page on my disqualification. I'm not going to settle for what has been spoken. I'm not going to settle with what has gone before. I'm not going to settle with average. I'm going to turn the page and trust God that he's for me. Finally this evening, third and final group of people, potentially my favorites, a bunch of guys called shepherds. They, they get a minimal role in the story. They get a song. They wash their socks by night, flocks by night. I apologize. It, they don't get much of it. That's the only little carol, one little line. Not really, it's not much. But these shepherds, I tell you why, because they were a dime a dozen in Israel. They were just everywhere. Shepherds, it's like the, the run of the mill. If you, if you didn't get it, you go to your job and you get denied the job. The guy goes, hey, listen. Have you tried shepherding? I think it's right up your alley. Like, you say that to everybody. Like, come on. He has a staff and he has a whistle. Good luck, my boy. 
And it's like, it's like the job that no one really is like, I want to be a shepherd one day. It's like, they were, they, were, they were everywhere. The shepherds were everywhere. And I can imagine that these guys, these particular group were rough guys. Shepherds had to be rough. They had to be up in the storms and the, and the, the, the heat of the day and the, the storms of night. They had, to, they had to fight off animals. These were rough guys. These were not your namby-pamby. I would never have been the shepherd. I would have been kicked out on day one. Sorry. I'm like, guys, do you have factor 50 for me out here? No. Thank you. Thank you. I wouldn't have made it as a shepherd. But I, I tell you, because these are rough boy cheese, you know. And, but the thing with shepherds, because they worked with animals around the field, they were not allowed in the temple. Shepherds had a different w- uh, way to, uh, to worship. If you wanted to worship, shepherds came in at a different entrance. They weren't able to go in the same entrance as other people because they were unclean in spiritual things. These were people who were pushed aside in many respects. And I can imagine after a long year, these shepherds on minimum wage, it's been a tough year, and they've had their Christmas party where they had their dorp and their chop. December has come, and they've got a few beers going out, and they're like, hey, guys, you know what? Everyone's having Christmas parties. There's not going to be much uh, chaos tonight. You can just chill and watch the sheep. It's going to be a good one on top of the hill. And as they start putting a few drinks back, these shepherds in their dysfunction, the heavens open. And the one guy looks at the other and says, what the heck did you put in my drink? What? And a, and a chorus of angels who fill the sky come and announce to these guys, these guys, the outcasts of society, the dysfunctional guys who, who've got calloused hands and, and actually foul mouths, but the angel appears to these guys and starts to sing the most beautiful song, declaring glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men with whom God is pleased with. Please, us? God is pleased with us? Shock of all shocks. God would come and meet these guys, break 400 years of silence and speak to these guys. And I want to ask you this evening, maybe you can find yourself in that sort of vein. Maybe you're not as rough as them, but secretly you've been addicted to things for many years. Maybe you've, you've got secret shame that you've carried around, that you've got habits you just can't kick, memories you wish you could erase. You're dysfunctional. And you're going, God could never be pleased with me. God could never be pleased with me. This evening I want to invite you with myself. Will you turn the page? Will you turn the page, not in an effort to kick a habit, but say, I'm going to turn the page and trust that God who sees past my failure, who sees something of worth in my brokenness. Here's the truth for you this, this evening. I want to invite you to turn the page on your disappointments, turn the page on your disqualifications, turn the page on your dysfunctions. But here's the, the thing. One last dad story of mine. I've, this year I've got a new thing on my list. My wife Fiona writes me lists of things to do. And a new thing has f- uh, surfaced as we've moved into a home that has a washing machine that is linked to a drain outside. And as the, the wind will blow, that drain will get clogged up with leaves very quickly. My job, every week or two, is to go out and clean the drain outside. It's a big one. Big responsibility. I take it seriously. So I go out and I start to get my little very pale hands and I start to move the leaves and try and not vomit, you know, because there's other things that are in there that have cluttered in, you know the drain, it's got a stodgy smell, you move the first layer, like, whoa, put the leaves back, but you start to take the leaves out, and you do it, and you know, and I don't know about you, but I'm doing it a little bit half-heartedly, because I'm just actually doing it to tick something off the list, because then my wife will go, well done, I've done it, so I clean it, I clean the leaves, and I I move on, I've done it, I've done it, love, done it, it's like, oh, amazing, and we kiss passionately, because she, no, it doesn't happen often, for the leaves, no, no, but anyway, I get up, and the problem is, a week later, the leaves are back. 
and they're clogging the drain again. And even there's a deeper problem that actually even when I've cleaned the leaves, I turn the washing machine on again, the water starts to pool very quickly at that drain point, and I'm le- left flummoxed. I'm going, there's no leaves, but there's still water pooling. There's still, a le- there's still a, some problem because the real issue is not actually at the surface levels. It's deepen. There's an internal problem that needs something more skillful than my best attempts to push the leaves away. There needs something more skillful than my ability to, to go actually just uh, wrist deep into this, into this drain. I, I, I want to I pull your attention to this thing tonight, is that I believe God is wanting to come in a surface level way, where in a surface level holiday, He's wanting to come in a deep way. He wants to pr- break through past all the fluff and, and the bubble and the excitement and break into our hearts in a deep way and leave us changed forever. And I, I want to tell you this way is because Jesus came to this earth in the form of a baby. It's powerful. He could have come as a conquering king. He could have come as after 400 years of silence, could have come and he had called the religious elites and said, I'm here, gather armies in a brave heart way. He could have come in multiple sort of ways that would have made a great Marvel movie years later. But he came as a baby in weakness. And he came and announced it to, to disappointed people. He announced it to disqualified people. He announced it to, to dysfunctional people that there's hope. Hope for a new story. But this is the amazing thing that Jesus did not stay a baby, 33 years passed, and he lived a perfect life. He said yes when we would have said no. He said no when we would have said yes. And he found himself, because of that, at the hands of religious men who could not turn the page on their story, who could not turn the page, who got stuck on this side, so they end up crucifying their Savior. Crucifying their Savior. And Jesus went to the cross on that Friday, and he died the death that we deserved. He paid the price that we could not pay. And when he yelled out, it is finished, he was declaring not just that his work was done, but he was declaring over every single heart that was to come that your old is done if you trust me. And on that Sunday, that great Sunday that followed two days after the Friday occurrence, what happened was the greatest page-turning act of history. The page was turned by Father God on our lives forever. For whoever would embrace Jesus Christ as Savior, the page can be turned that you will no longer be defined by old, but can be defined by His victory on the cross on your behalf. The page has already been turned. The invitation is, will we believe that? Will we step into it? And will we embrace everything Jesus has done for us? I want to remind us this evening, that the Son of God became the Son of Man so that sons of men might become sons of God. The page is turning, I believe, in many hearts tonight. The page is already turning, and the enemy is trying to pull it back to pull you to be stuck. But God in this moment is saying, will you turn the page and embrace the new story that I've written for you? Can we close our eyes, please? I'm going to ask the band to come up very quickly. With eyes closed in this room, we believe this is a moment. I've got faith in my heart that God is wanting to do a deep work amongst us. He's wanting to come and not just a superficial cleaning, not just a new promise to try better in in 2018, not a a thing saying, actually, I'm going to try hard. It's not a list of to-dos. Today's a reminder of what He's done. And the Father comes and He says, I've heard your prayers. I'm for you and I'm pleased with you. Tonight, will you turn the page on your disappointment, sir, man? Will you turn the page on your disqualification? Will you turn the page on your dysfunction? 
And would you accept the new story that God is calling you into? This evening, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give an opportunity, I'm going to count to three. And if you've got courage in your heart, all I'm going to ask you is just put your hand up as high as possible. No one can see you in the dark. I'm not going to ask anyone to look around. It's just as an, it's a, a posture of faith saying, God, I'm turning the page. So I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I'd love you to do that and lift your hands so I can pray for you. One, he hears your prayers. He is for you and he's pleased with you. Two, he wants his sons and daughters back. Three, it's time to turn the page. Can you lift your hands if that's you? Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep them up if that's you. The hand going up does nothing except it's a posture of faith saying, God, my heart is yours. Father, right now with these hands lifted up in this room tonight, I thank you there's faith here for men and women to turn the page. To turn the page on the old of what has gone before. To turn the page on the voice of the enemy. To turn the page of their brokenness and say, God, I'm going to believe what you are saying about me. And I thank you in this moment, a whole bunch of people are finding freedom. I thank you, Father God, tonight is a moment where your victory is being given to us. I thank you, Father, in this moment as we say we are turning the page from our strength to your strength. We're turning the page from our sin to your favor. We're turning the page from our brokenness to your healing. We're turning our page from our ability to your ability, Jesus. We trust you. In our disappointment, I trust you. In my disqualification, I trust you. In my dysfunction, I trust you. I'm turning the page and finding you're there smiling, saying, I've heard your prayers. I'm for you and I'm pleased with you. I thank you, Father God, the Son of God, became the Son of Man, so that sons of men, daughters of men, becoming sons and daughters of God tonight. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.